All right. Today we're starting this new series called Living Beyond. And we've had the beginning of this year, uh, we've already looked at, you know, what does it mean uh, to have this relationship with Christ? Who are we in Christ? And you know that our theme for this year is who I am. And so one of the things that we have to obviously then consider is because we want to be inward focused in ourselves, understanding who we are. Uh, we want to um, be able to proclaim it boldly, to understand and to let others know, this is who I am. This is what God has done in my life. This is what my identity and Jesus is all about. But be, we have to then also consider the fact that we are not just ourselves. Um, we are this weird dimension of a person where we are, I am Ike Unger, but I'm not just Ike Unger. There's more to me than just me, especially as a Jesus follower. God has done something in my life. God has done something in your life that, that you cannot describe just in who you are as a person, as a, as a you know, where you work or who you're married to or the, the parents you have or the culture that you come from or your background. There's, there's more to you than just you. And we are called to live beyond just ourselves. We are called to live beyond just what we need and to do more than just what we need. And, and I think very often we may find ourselves very quickly realizing like, oh, if I'm going to do that, then I'm also going to need to be empowered. I'm going to have to have wisdom that I don't have on my own. I'm going to have to experience things in a way that I cannot experience them on my own. And so what we're really talking about is the Holy Spirit. And so today we're starting a series on the Holy Spirit, but instead of focusing just on the Holy Spirit and talking just about the Holy Spirit, we're actually going to look at different situations in our lives and, and see how does the Holy Spirit fit into those areas of our lives, because the Holy Spirit must fit into all areas of our lives. Now, I don't know if you've ever had the privilege or the opportunity to introduce somebody. Um, I've had that sometimes, and it's usually a bit of a nightmare because all of a sudden, as you start introducing a person, you realize you don't know them that well. You're like, oh, I know this. Hey, this is my friend, so-and-so, and we work together, and yeah, beyond that, I don't know this person all that well. And so it's one of those things that you realize, like, oh, out of, outside of these environments or outside of these situations, you don't know the person quite as well as you thought. You've known this person for a long time. You've worked with this person or, or you've known about this person. But when it really comes to introducing them, sharing about who they are as a person, suddenly you realize, oh, I don't know them that well. And I think this is the way many Christians feel about the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we want to spend some time in these next few weeks really looking at some different topics and see how does the Holy Spirit engage in these areas of our lives. For example, how does the Holy Spirit engage in us when it comes to overcoming sin and working through sin and the struggle of sin? How does the Holy Spirit... Involved in our, is involved in our lives in, in areas that we may struggle with, in areas that we may um, have huge passions for. How, what's the role of the Holy Spirit in those areas? Now many in the Protestant tradition, and the Anabaptists would definitely fall into this, we're very Jesus-focused. 
And we talk almost every Sunday, you know, Jesus will come up and, and we, we look at Jesus and we focus on Jesus a lot because Jesus died on the cross for us and, and Jesus is our Savior and, and we say things like, you know, Jesus is the head of the church and Jesus is the head of the body and all of this is true. But in our tradition, we do not always focus as much on the other um, three parts of the, uh, the Trinity, especially the Holy Spirit. So we recognize that there's three, there's one God, you know, one being, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But very often as, a, as part of our Protestant tradition, we spend very little time embracing and talking about the Holy Spirit. This is where we um, can really lean on our Pentecostal brothers and sisters, uh, they have engaged in, with the Holy Spirit a lot more. And, and so I think it's important for us to, at times, lean into them and, and learn from them. How do you relate more to the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is present and working in our lives. He is God. And so it's important for us to understand that if we're worshiping God, if we're serving God, then we need to be uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work in us. So I'm not trying to make you Pentecostal. I'm not trying to make you something you're not, but we must remember, like I said, the Holy Spirit is God. Therefore, we cannot dismiss, we cannot diminish the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our journey and following Jesus. The Holy Spirit must be part of our journey with Christ. So it's important for us to understand the Holy Spirit, and it's very important for us to understand that the Holy Spirit is not an it. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit as an it. it. It does this, it does that. No, the Holy Spirit is a person. Just as the Father is a person, just as the Son is a person, the Holy Spirit is a person. They are part of the Trinity, the triune God. Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit to, uh, to his disciples and to us uh, with these words in John chapter 16, verse 13. He says, but when he... The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, the scripture reveals a lot about the Holy Spirit. Um, but at the same time, the scripture does not reveal um, you know, any significant portions of you know, what we call systematic theology on the Holy Spirit. And so the scripture reveals three basic truths, though, about the Holy Spirit. And when we learn them, we will be able to introduce the Holy Spirit better to others, but also we will be able to involve and include the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives in a more meaningful way. So let's look at three truths that we see from scripture uh, about the Holy Spirit. The first one is this. The Holy Spirit is all-powerful. The Holy Spirit is all-powerful. And if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to page with me. And you have the app, you can, the, the Bible app. You can follow the notes in there as well. But the Holy Spirit is all-powerful. And this is important for us to recognize because there are moments in our lives where we desperately need power beyond ourselves. If we're going to live beyond ourselves, beyond yourself, there are times in your life where you will need power that is much, much greater than your own. As a matter of fact, you will always need power that is greater on our own, uh, than our own because we can never do anything on our, on our own. We see the effects of the power of His presence, the Holy Spirit's presence, um, at this mysterious moment of creation. Genesis chapter 1. 
all the way at the beginning of your Bible, we already are introduced to the Holy Spirit, and we are already given an image of what the Spirit does. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we are told, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Let's just pause there for a moment. So here we have this shapeless, in a sense, this purposeless blob of matter tumbling through the universe. And it appears that there's really no direction um, and there's really no reason for existence. It's just the earth was formless, empty, and dark. That was the surface of the earth. That's what it was. It's just this massive thing floating through the universe. And it seems very much that it had no purpose. Now the part of the person of the Holy Spirit then is brought into, um, into um, the picture here. The Holy Spirit arrives and begins to do a wondrous thing. Look at the rest of the verse. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now the original Greek here actually means brooding. And you've probably heard this before. When the Spirit of God hovers over something, it's this image of an eagle or of a big bird brooding over, sitting over their eggs and bringing life to them. Actually, as the chicklings are there or as the little birds are there, I don't know what they're called, he will, you know, uh, the mother will flap their wings to actually cause the, the babies to rise up. And then the, in a way of doing that, it's bringing life to its nest. It's bringing life out of the nest. And that's what this image is that we have of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you can actually picture hovering over the earth, bringing life to it. Now, I don't know about you, <clears throat> but very often when we think of, you know, that moment, <clears throat> excuse me, of that moment, we think of only as God speaking. But there in that moment, the Holy Spirit already plays a significant part. Now, the creative power the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit didn't stop only at the bringing the earth to life. You know, God wanted to do much more than just have plants and, and animals and humans. God ultimately wanted you and I to have life. And so this power of the Holy Spirit isn't just something that we can see as playing a role in, in nature and in bringing life to, to those things but this power of the Holy Spirit is also there to bring life to each one of us. I want you to picture today, in a sense, the Holy Spirit hovering over you. Brooding over you in a way. The brooding to bring life out of you. God wants you to have a relationship with Him. To be alive in Him. And that is one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. His power brings life into our lives. His power brings life into our spiritual beings. The other thing that we see from the Old Testament is that the Old Testament uh, often shows that the Holy Spirit would empower people to bring about what God wanted. So there are times maybe in your life where you're like, I'm not sure, I know what God wants me to do, but I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to do this. Well, in the Old Testament, we often see how God would use his power, and put it upon someone in order for them to be able to fulfill his will. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, we see 
Uh, it says this, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, David, in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. God had a plan for David's life. And so the spirit of God came upon David. The power of God came upon David in order for, for David to fulfill God's purpose in his life. There are times in the Old Testament where you even see where God will give power to his people, to his armies, to, to different individuals. And this power isn't permanent. It's not something that stays there forever. But in that moment, the Spirit of God would come and give them power for what they needed in that moment. Samuel is a fantastic example of this, where the Spirit of God would, would come upon Samuel, and suddenly Samuel would have, um, Samson, sorry, Samson would have power beyond what is normal for any human being. But it wasn't a kind of power that was always there. It was only there when he needed it. There are also other times in the, in the Bible where we see God giving his people incredible power. And this is a beautiful thing. So when we go through our lives, it's important for us to recognize there will be moments in our lives where it's like, I don't have this power in myself, but God can give me this power. In Acts chapter 1, verses 8, Jesus says, but you will receive power. Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now we have been called to be witnesses of God. We have been called to be the church. We have been called to share the gospel of Jesus to those who have not yet heard. But we have also receive the power to do so see God has not set us up for failure God has not set us up to say you I'm, I'm calling you to do something I'm sending you out to share the gospel but you're gonna have to do it upon you with your own strength God has given us what we need in order to fulfill the calling on his life we are equipped with the power that we need to fulfill the calling of Jesus You've heard me say this before, so there's no excuses. God has not gifted you. God has not called you to do something and then abandoned you to figure it out on your own. You have the Holy Spirit upon you. And the power of the Holy Spirit will fill you to do what God has called you to do. Now, let's just clarify here really quickly. These do not have to only be massive things in life. These big, you know... Out of the ordinary, these could be simple things like parenting your children, managing your finances, having those tough conversations with loved ones, or whatever it may be. God will fill you with power to do the things that he has called you to do, to fulfill the role that he has placed you in. We need to believe that. We need to embrace that. We need to accept that and live that out, knowing that we can live beyond ourselves because we are not dependent only on ourselves. Jesus was, um, you know, talking about this, and, and when he sent this out to, or gave this message to his disciples, he was not referring only to an influence of some mysterious power, but he was referring to a person. We do not. Focus on the Holy Spirit just on what the Holy Spirit does or the role of the Holy Spirit. We focus on the Holy Spirit as a person and we invite the person of the Holy Spirit to do his work in us. The second thing that we have to look at is that the Holy Spirit is all wise. 
The Holy Spirit is all wise. I want to read to you a portion of Scripture. And I want you to listen to the way the Apostle Paul describes the wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy Spirit when it, uh, you know, as it pertains even to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. If you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. Here, Paul gives us detailed description of the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. It says, these are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spiritual taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. I want to pause here for a second. If you've ever found yourself frustrated with a non-Christian because they can't seem to get what you're saying, this is why. Stop getting frustrated with them. There are certain things about your relationship with God that you can only understand because the Spirit is revealing it to you because you've invited Jesus into your heart and the Spirit dwells in you. A person who has not invited Jesus into their heart does not have the Spirit of God living in them. Therefore, there are certain things they cannot understand. That's what Paul is saying here. So sometimes when we're like, how do these people not get it? Well, they don't get it for the same reason we wouldn't get it if we did not have the Spirit of God revealing it to us. Let's keep reading verse 15. The person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things, but such a person is not subject merely to human judgment. But for who knows the mind of the Lord so as to instruct them? But we have the mind of Christ. Because the Holy Spirit is a person, he possesses intellect. He knows. He knows the deep thoughts of God, the deep things of God. In other words, you could say, the Holy Spirit knows all there is to know about God. Why? Because he is God. The Holy Spirit's knowledge of God also includes all the divine truths that come from God. Everything God has ever said, the Holy Spirit knows because the Holy Spirit said them. Confused yet? This is the beauty. Thank you for your honesty. Come to the class on Tuesday. Uh, this is the beauty of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is from God, but is God. Jesus was from the Father, sent by the Father, but is God. Now I'm off my notes. Get back on track because this sermon could go eight hours because this is a big thing. So we need to understand that the Holy Spirit's knowledge is complete. There is nothing the Holy Spirit does not know because the Holy Spirit is God dwelling in us. The first requirement of a good teacher is not that they're charismatic and not that they're, you know, you know that they have this outgoing personality that not that they have good vocabulary. The first 
sign of a good teacher is that they actually know their topic. And the Holy Spirit knows the topic. John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit opens our understanding to the meaning of Scripture. This is why it's important sometimes before you start reading Scripture, just say a quick prayer. Holy Spirit, reveal to me what you want to reveal to me. Show me what you want me to see. Show me the things I don't want to see. Because the Holy Spirit will reveal the deep meaning of Scripture to us. The Holy Spirit is, in a sense, our live-in teacher who is abiding within us, teaching us the meaning of God's Word. This does not mean that we should become isolated. This does not mean that we don't need other people. It doesn't mean that we don't need education. It doesn't mean that we now become our own little island and I have the Holy Spirit and I don't need anyone else. No, we need accountability. We need to bounce ideas off each other. But the Holy Spirit will teach you what Scripture means. I want to say this not to brag, but I have spent thousands of dollars on education probably around $70,000 on college and seminary courses alone. And there's definitely been times where in the middle of a class, the teacher has said something that's profound, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I did not know this. But then there's been other times where the teacher has said something, and they just keep on talking. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit, like, there is a nugget here for you that I want you to hear. And then there's been other times where I've read Scripture all to myself, sat by myself, and read the Bible, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, revealed things to me. I have seen the Holy Spirit speak to me in different ways like that in multiple different situations. Because in, in my life and in your life, the Holy Spirit is a teacher, revealing truth, revealing information to us. So the Holy Spirit also possesses emotions about um, you know, uh, in, in our lives. It possesses intelli- uh, in intellect. Paul warns us not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, grief is a manifestation emotion. A person must have the ability to love and to care in order to be grieved. So the Holy Spirit is one with God, loves every believer who indwells them, and he is grieved when we do not Allow him to minister to us and to guide us and to teach us. You should know that the Holy Spirit and wisdom are closely linked in Scripture. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 says, Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland of grace your, um, to, your, to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Much, much could be said about that because the Holy Spirit is wisdom. When the writer talks here about get wisdom, he's talking about the Spirit of God. Knowing that the Holy Spirit dwells in us and knowing that the Holy Spirit knows all things. Let me ask you this question. Why is it so often that we first seek information from everything and everyone before 
we seek guidance and information from the Holy Spirit. Just think about that. What big decision do you have to make right now? Where are you all going for information? And again, I'm not saying not to. But it's one of these things, you know, after we've tried everything else, let's pray. Let's ask God what we should do. No, let's start with that. Because the Holy Spirit has all the wisdom and all the knowledge to direct us and to lead us. Many of you here today have situations in your life. And the first thing you should do when you get out of here today is kneel together as a family, as a friend, as a whatever, and say, Holy Spirit, guide us. If there's anyone who can guide us and lead us and direct us, it is the Holy Spirit. Let's look at one more. The Holy Spirit is everywhere present. The Holy Spirit is everywhere and is present. Psalm 139, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depth, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. And we've gotten pretty familiar and used to surveillance cameras. When you go into any bank, you know you're on surveillance. Um, and, you, you know, basically now if you walk down the street, I don't know if Leamington is quite this bad yet, but most places now, you can be tracked from one side of the city to the next. There's enough cameras on most streets that you can be recorded pretty much everywhere you go. Now, that can usually bring up about two emotions. One is we love the idea of, you know, if something bad happens, that it will be caught on camera. And the other one is we don't like the invasion of privacy. Right? And then there are per, uh, certain countries and, and governments that are taken the, to the extreme and, and are spying on their citizens. So this idea of being watched can bring out these different feelings in us. That, yeah, on the one hand, I'm glad I'm protected. On the other hand, man, it's an invasion of privacy. Well, then how do you feel about the fact that God does not only see everything you do, God knows even your thoughts? Ah, feels good, eh? You can't get away. You cannot get away. In this psalm, we learn that God's Spirit observes everything, everywhere that we go, and is sensitive even to our thoughts. That little thought you had right now, He knew it. He knows it. I don't know how that makes you feel about God. I don't know if you feel like, well, He's invading too much. Can't I have some thoughts to myself? And sometimes when I sit with people and they've had a really painful time with life and, and they're sometimes angry with God and they don't want to say anything about that, you know, and I'm like, God already knows you're angry. God already knows that you're, you're confused. God already knows these things. And so very often us expressing those thoughts are more for our benefit. God already knows. And because the Holy Spirit is everywhere present, we are constantly you know, not only known and not only watched, but I want you to hear this. We are constantly cared for. We are always in a circle of God's concern or in the circle of God's concern. Even in our rebellious time, even in our times of disobedience, in our times where we are not in line with God's will, God is still present. He always remains. He doesn't reject us. He doesn't move away from us. He runs alongside us. He is present in every area of our lives. The beauty of it all lies in the truth that God never stops pursuing you. 
The Holy Spirit never leaves you, never stops pursuing you. Wherever you run, even in your greatest time of rebellion to God, the Holy Spirit is present. You cannot get away. And that can sound threatening or that can sound incredibly loving. He's like a loving shepherd who will go out of his way into the darkness to search for the one lost sheep. So I want to illustrate this to you a little bit because I think sometimes we forget the vastness of God and we cannot measure God. But I think sometimes we, we forget just how small we are and maybe how easy it would be for God to just forget about us. We can sometimes have a bit of an ego and we think the world sort of revolves around us. So let's look at some images that are going to help us recognize that maybe, just maybe, we're not all that big. And yet God decides and decided to love us and to stay near to us. I don't know if you've ever stood outside in a nice dark place and it's hard to find here with all the, uh, the light pollution. But let's say you've been somewhere where it's completely dark and you've looked up and you've seen the Milky Way. Countless stars. Now, there's one downside to this is where you look up and our mind has to at some point use its imagination to get past the first blanket of stars because we can only see what we can see. And so we look up and we're like, man, this is so beautiful. So I want to now look at it. Maybe what, if, what does it look like if we turn the camera around and look at ourselves? This first picture is called Earthrise. And it looks like this. This is the famous photo taken by astronaut Bill Anders on Christmas Eve in 1968. They were orbiting the moon, and as it came around, they took this picture, and there is the surface of the moon and also the Earth, Earthrise. This next photo was taken um, from the surface of Mars. I had to draw a little arrow there, or actually found the picture that did it for me. Um, this is taken by NASA's uh, Curiosity rover on January 31st, 2014. So again, at the very bottom of the image, you see the surface of, the Mar uh, surface of Mars. And there in the distance, you can see Earth. This next picture is called The Day the Earth Smiled. And this was taken from Saturn, okay, back in 2013... And this shows the Earth from around 756 million miles away. I know some of you are like, yeah, don't know these numbers, but that's okay. I'm going to show you one more picture in a little bit. Back in February 14, 1970, Voyager 1 was spe um, speeding out of the solar system just beyond Neptune when the missionary managing manager commanded it to look back at Earth one more time and to take a photo. And the photo is called Pale Blue Dot, and it's this. You see it? Well, let me draw a circle around it to help you. One more click. There it is. Ah, crystal clear now, right? <laughs> this picture is apparently taken... 600 billion kilometers away from the sun. Now, with those images in mind, just go to the next slide. With those images in mind, I want to read you this passage again. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? 
If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depth, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Now these photos can make us feel small and insignificant, but they can also reveal to us the intentionality that God would choose to love us while we are a speck considering all the other planets. And then when you think of just the earth alone, you and I are a speck on planet earth. We suddenly become very small, and yet God still loves us. His spirit dwells in us. His spirit is everywhere we go. Every single one of those pictures, you cannot go anywhere where the spirit of God is not present. So I don't know what your situation is like. I don't know where, how you feel. Maybe sometimes we feel like we're disconnected because of sin in our lives. We feel disconnected. We feel that God has maybe abandoned us. I want you to know today that God is present, that God is in you, that God loves you, that God cares about you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you at this very moment if you've given your life to Christ. And so living beyond yourself means that you have all-powerful God living in you. Living beyond yourself means that you have an all-wise God living inside you, meaning also that you cannot go anywhere where the presence of God is not already present. So if you feel discouraged today, I hope that this will remind you that you are not asked to live out of your own strength, out of your own wisdom, and to, or to feel abandoned. God is with you no matter what you are going through. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time, and we thank you, God, that you love us. Holy Spirit, we thank you that we are taught by you, that we are given power by you, and that we always have you in a, uh, present in our lives. And so we depend on you for everything, and we are grateful for the work that you are doing. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.